How did the Las Vegas Aces build their super team and land Candace Parker? The next Las Vegas Aces beat reporter Matthew Welter takes me through it all. I'm also joined by Kiri Oler to chat about her latest story on the WBL's Lisa Thomas. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and happy Friday. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Natalie Heverin and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today, we'll be breaking down the Las Vegas Aces, Candace Parker, and building a super team with Matthew Walter, as well as chatting with Kiriola about her latest story on Lisa Thomas and why she loves writing about the history of the game. Joining me today is the next Las Vegas Aces beat writer, Matthew Walter. Starting off, news that shook up the WNBA and created a new super team, Candace Parker signed with the Aces. So what does this mean for the reigning champions? Um, it means a lot. I mean, you're adding, you know, a two-time WNBA, you know, champion, a player who's seen as one of the all-time greats, a pretty easy Hall of Famer when she finishes her career. And I think someone that is what the Aces needed, maybe even more than what they needed in terms of her quality. Because I said going into the offseason, what they needed was was veteran depth, right? Last year, they won the championship with a, sort of a six, seven player rotation there was a lot of young people. Basically, every player was under 30, and they were just sort of running with their legs. And I think Becky Hammond realized, like, you can't win multiple championships and be a dynasty, which they have the talent to do so, playing that way. You need depth. And so Candace Parker, yes, is a lot more veteran, but she's a star, right? Two championships, an MVP. She's played with a couple of these Aces players before and Chelsea Gray and Raquana Williams. So she knows the people there. She's a West Coast kid, right? Played a long time with the Sparks on TV nowadays on TNT, which is, um, you know, you know, does a lot of these, these games on NBA TV as well. And just someone who wants to be back closer to where her family is here on the West Coast. So I think it just, it made perfect sense. And her basketball ability is so high, right? She's such a smart player. And it frees up the floor for the Aces. It allows Asia Wilson to attack the basket and not be stuck with Kia Stokes on the floor, who doesn't need to be guarded at the three-point line. Candace Parker has the ability to knock down the outside shot. Candace Parker is an incredibly good passer. She's very smart, incredible basketball IQ, and it's only going to make the Aces a better team with her on the floor. And honestly, I mean, she's a superstar in this league. So you take a lineup that had, what, four or five All-Stars in it, and then you add another one, it's only going to make the team better. And what went into Parker signing with the Aces behind the scenes? I I think a lot of it had to do with family, right? And she talks about it in her Instagram post that she put out saying that she was going to go to the Aces. She wants to be back with her family, back with, you know, her two daughters, her her 13-year-old Layla, who's now just starting high school. She wants to be able to go to her games. She wants to be a part of there for her her son and for her wife, you know. She put a lot of that aside when she went to Chicago to go home. 
to to trace that championship for her hometown. Now she wants to go back to family, right? She's on you know the back stretch of her career, getting up there in you know her late thirties, and she understands, right? Like she wants to be with her family. She understands that's priority number one, and then priority number two is always winning a championship. And this is an Aces team coming off a championship, you know, last year, right? So it was very easy closer to the West Coast where her family is, right? She started her family in L.A. when she was with the Sparks. Now a chance to be closer to them in Las Vegas, get to see her daughter grow up, be a part of her, you know, watching her be there for her son growing up, and she's still getting a chance to compete for a championship at a high level. Obviously the Aces are coming off their first championship in franchise history last year. It just seemed like a perfect fit for her. And, you know, she's understandingly willing to take maybe less money and be less of a, you know, a focal point because she understands her role and that she's there to be, um, you know, a star, but not be the star because they have Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young and Chelsea Gray. It's just a lineup full of stars. And this move may not have turned as many heads, but the Aces also added Alicia Clark. What does she bring to the team? Uh, Alicia Clark brings another veteran um, to the team, another piece of veteran depth that I think is really important for the Aces. I talked about how much they needed that veteran depth going into this offseason and Alicia Clark is the perfect 3 and D sort of small forward shooting guard player that the Aces could use to fit into their system, right? Someone that can come off the bench, guard one through three on the perimeter, can knock down outside shots. And I think that worked in the Aces' favor that last year she was, you know, played last season coming off what's a Liz Frank injury, an injury to her foot. She didn't have her best season, but talking to some people, it sounds like they expect that she'll be much better this year. They expect that she's going to be playing at a much higher level, closer to the way she was playing in Seattle when she won her two WNBA championships and was named all first team and all second team, all defensive team. And I think she's a great fit for what Becky Hammond wants to do, right? Becky Hammond knows they have scoring options coming, you know, out of everywhere for the Aces. So for her, it starts with the defensive end, and that's where Alicia Clark thrives is on that defensive side of the ball. And so I think for the Aces to get her to come off the bench, play defense on other teams' best, you know, point guard, shooting guard, whatever, right? Now against, you know, other teams that have you know, guard play is incredibly good in this league. So to have someone that can come in off the bench and play really good lockdown defense and knock down open shots and space the floor is a perfect fit for this Aces team. And the Aces have been busy. They also traded for Amanda Zowie B's rights um, and in doing so traded away De'Arica Hamby. How did that trade impact the team's free agency goals? and how the team will ultimately look this season. Uh, that had a huge impact, right? Because Dierka Hamby had just signed an extension, so all that money got freed up to the Aces to now basically be um, the money that they used to sign Alicia Clark and to sign Candace Parker. Candace Parker took, you know, a big pay decrease. She only signed for $100,000. Alicia Clark, $110,000. So that was basically what the money they had sitting in their salary cap plus the money that they got from trading away uh, Dierica Hamby is what freed up that money to sign those two players. And now the Aces have what many consider to be a super team, right? The Aces have five all-stars starting. And then you add Alicia Clark off the bench, Raquana Williams off the bench. This is a very good Aces team, you know, one through seven, one through eight, lots of depth. And then they also now own the rights to Amanda Zowie B, which basically means they can sign her at whatever price tag they want you know, whether it's the veteran minimum or if she decides to sign with somebody else, it's like signing a restricted free agent. The Aces can match it. So right now what they can do is it allows them, if they want to bring Zowie B in after watching her, you know, let her, you know, come to training camp, see what she looks like 
they have the right because they traded for her to sign her at any sort of level that they want. And Zawabi has been a great player in the past, especially in that center spot. So we'll see how that plays out. But the trading of Dierica Hamby, you know, it had its, you know, it had some issues. Dierica Hamby came out on Instagram, said some things about the A's organization, and there has been not a lot of talk about it since that has happened. We'll see as the league and the team address it as we get close to the season and, and people start having to actually, you know, answer questions about it. But at the moment, there hasn't been a lot said about Dierica Hamby's accusations. But at the moment, what it, what the trade did was it opened up the space for the Aces to sign Candace Parker and Alicia Clark, albeit to maybe less money than they could have gotten if they were looking for top dollar. And what intrigues you most about the super team uh, that the Aces have built? And what are you most excited to see this season? I think it's just how do Alicia Clark and Candace Parker, two people who have won multiple championships, how do they teach this Aces team that now most of the players on the roster have only one ring, you know, teach them like, this is how you go about getting the second one, right? Because everyone talks about winning that first one. It's not easy, but going for another one is a lot more difficult because A, you've got a target on your back and B, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't know how to get there. And now that you know how to get there, sometimes the bumps in the road are a little bit bigger. And so I think having a couple of players who have done it multiple times and, you know, players like Parker and Clark who have seen a lot in their careers, right? They're both in their 30s. They both played a lot of basketball in the WNBA. They've played with other superstars. Just how they fit in, I think they're both the kind of players that shouldn't have a problem fitting right into what Becky Hammond wants to do on both sides of the basketball. But just how they impact the team from, you know, all different sorts, from chemistry to scoring on offense to playing defense to all the other things that go into being a basketball team, I think they're really going to be able to sort of play the same style of basketball but with these different characters who add a little bit of different things than what they had last year. And what do you think the broader impacts of the Aces as a super team are on the WNBA as a whole? Well, I think we've seen it, right? Like the Aces went out and they became a super team, and now we've seen the Liberty become a super team, right? You have two teams with four or five all-stars on it, two teams that basically everyone in their and you know, you and I and their mother will say these two teams are going to be in the finals and these are the two teams that are going to basically win the championship. And we've seen this happen in other sports. And then that's not always the case, right? Those teams don't always win the championship. But I think for the Aces right now, they're just trying to build a dynasty, right? The dynasty for a long time was Minnesota and the Sparks. And now it's the Aces trying to become a dynasty with a bunch of young players and then surrounding them with veterans like Parker and like Clark. And they just have the, the luxury of signing a couple of players one of whom has been an MVP, one of whom's, you know, a couple of times been on the all-defensive team. Those are the kind of players you can draw and for less salary than maybe they would have gotten at other places because they understand that you're trying to go get a championship and they're on the back ends of their career and they're trying to get another one before they most likely retire and your stars are the people in their mid to late 20s and they're the ones who, you know, need the spotlight more than you who's already had it, already won the championships. And yes, you still deserve to be, you know, Candace Parker is amazing. Alicia Clark is great, but they're, they understand like this is Asia Wilson's team. She's sort of the up and coming player in this league, not up and coming. She's come, she's there. She's, you know, the, a star, but this is her team. This is her franchise and that they need to help this, you know, team get to multiple championships and start to become this great dynasty that, you know, they have that capability of being. And. Coming up next, we'll discuss Carrie Oler's latest story on the WBL's Lisa Thomas. 
Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by open by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to open your to your open jobs with more targeting with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. Hiring the right team members using LinkedIn Jobs is a great way to get a head start on achieving your 2023 goals and beyond. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Joining me today is Kiri Oler, a news and features writer at The Next. Starting off, Kiri, what caught your eye or stood out to you about Lisa Thomas and her story? I think the biggest thing for me is that she's a dual sport athlete and remained a dual sport athlete from childhood, like all the way through college, which is not something that you see super common, especially as like youth sports get more and more competitive, like kids are specializing much earlier. And, you know, the really common like athlete story that you hear is how they have been like singularly focused their whole life on their sport. Like the example I used in the piece was Tiger Woods, but like the really relevant, like, current example is like Tom Brady who said like even in his retirement video that like he hopes his kids find something to be passionate about but maybe don't go quite as hard as he did in terms of singularly pursuing that one thing and so she really like was able to maintain a balance of multiple interests um all the way through adulthood and I thought that was really unique and special. Yeah, and who we're talking about is uh, Lisa Thomas, who uh, we'll talk about a lot more, but uh, Kiri wrote about in her story how Lisa Thomas grew from well-rounded athlete to well-rounded human, uh, and she played in the WBL, which was the first women's professional basketball league in the U.S., and it ran from 1978 to 1981. Uh, and one of the, mo- the many parts that I loved about your story was the lead Cliches become cliches for a reason, like the you never forget your first love cliche it may feel universal to the human experience, but for those who find they don't fit neatly into the box laid out for them by the universe, it may feel restrictive. Lisa Thomas has a first love and a second love and a third love, and she didn't want to forget any of them, and she doesn't want to forget any of them. So what were Lisa Thomas's three loves and why were they all important to her? Yeah, I mean, I think the first one when she was a young child was tennis, and that was sort of her introduction to sports and where she learned that she really loves sports. And then later on, um, her tennis coach was also the basketball coach, so that's how she got introduced to basketball and fell in love with that as well. And then, you know, studying in high school and, and college, like, really had an aptitude for science, so that was the third love, and so she really excelled at that. And I think 
the big like through line that she emphasized through all three of those is she viewed all of them as an exercise in problem solving. So on the tennis court, you're looking at the, the different angles that you need. And, you know, similarly in basketball, trying to like problem solve against the defense or against the offense, depending on which side you're on. And and so that is really like the lens that she viewed all all three of those. And um, and then I think all three of them, she also saw a need for like women's role models in those sports like she, she growing up she had some tennis role models because women's tennis was kind of like leading the way in terms of women's sports but she wanted to be that that role model that she had in tennis but on the basketball side and then later on um working in science in a mostly like male dominated field like wanted other women to be able to see women scientists yeah when i got to towards the end of your story and found out that she got a master's in biochemistry and then conducted medical research uh, for 37 years and published 56 peer-reviewed journal articles. It's like, I want to be her when I grow up. And I think that was kind of her goal was wanting to be what young girls and young women look up to. Mm -hmm. Your story also discussed the pros of being a multi-sport athlete um, can you talk about that more and why you chose to weave that into your story? Yeah, I think anytime we're looking at, at stories from the past, it's it's interesting to see how like the lessons and the different challenges and obstacles that people were experiencing back then can apply to things that are going on today. And I think this is a, a pretty hot topic right now, especially with like player injuries among younger athletes and how there seems to be sort of a an increasing rate of occurrence of, of injuries, especially with like repetitive motion type of injuries. And so like, this is a still like a, a problem that you see people going through through today. I mean, um, there's a quote in the piece from Gino Arama talking about Yukon's injuries and how they've really been ravaged lately. And, and he sort of points to the, to early specialization among youth athletes and so I think like when you can look at the past and, and sort of like spin it forward to, to something that is is still relevant today, um, I, I think that's an important thing to do. And then what lessons do you think that current athletes can take away from the Title IX era of athletes? Um, I think it's just like how important it is to 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 do things even when you don't necessarily have a role model showing you the way to do it. Like they were the first group of women to really have the opportunity to play sports collegiately. Like, um, you know, a couple of these pieces that I've worked on now both both talked about how they didn't even consider playing sports in college because that wasn't a path that they had seen anyone else on. And so they hadn't considered it. And then Title IX happened and they had schools offering them scholarships and they thought, well, hey, if I can keep playing this sport that I love, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So just because you can't see someone doing the thing that you want to do doesn't mean that you should still go do it. Yeah, the the quote on that that really stood out to me was, when Lisa Thomas said the year I graduated 75 was really the year that title nine really came into being for college or for graduating seniors and college athletes. Um, and went on to say and how excited she was about recruitment letters from universities and 
never dreaming that that would happen. Um, so just, you know, getting a recruitment letter um, right. was exciting for her. Um, in addition to that moment really changing her life, um, getting a, a full four-year scholarship to play tennis and basketball. Um, what was your favorite tidbit or fact you learned during your Lisa Thomas research? I mean, I think just in general, like how, um, like how connected everything is and like, this is sort of like why I like doing these types of stories and like digging into the past. Cause you, you realize how like things that are going on today, like how, what a straight line connection there is. So like, for example, she played for the Chicago hustle and there are all these links to like current present day Chicago basketball culture. Like one of her teammates went on to be president of the WNBA for a while. Um, her her coach is the current head coach of the DePaul women's team and their play-by-play announcer was the radio voice of the sky for a really long time until he passed away recently. So there's all these connections to like present day Chicago basketball that I would not have predicted. Yeah, I think Chicago was definitely one of the most successful franchises and to see all of the links coming together is really cool. Um, one thing that stood out to me uh, about Lisa Thomas was that she was planning to go to medical school um, mm-hmm. and then the WBL came up and she decided to take that chance after being drafted by her hometown team. Mm-hmm. Coming, coming up next, we'll discuss why Carrie loves writing about women's basketball history and what she's working on next. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. I'm really excited that with FanDuel, you can bet on both individual games and future odds for NCAA women's basketball. The FanDuel Sportsbook is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. I love how easy it is to use the FanDuel app. You can place your bet in seconds and with just a couple of clicks. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, Kiri, why is writing about the history of women's basketball so important to you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few reasons. So, one, like, it's similar to, like, why we study history in general. Like, we want to understand where we've been so that we can learn from it and apply it to today. So, similar to what I was talking about with, you know, bringing up multi-sport athletes and, and the importance of not specializing too soon. Like, I think that was a really important takeaway that we can learn from Lisa Thomas's story and through telling that story and that you know even with the passage of time you know like at our core we're all still human beings and there are a lot of really like relatable tidbits and like anybody's story and so finding those things that are just like common that we all struggle with like there's a certain like 
comfort in that. And then, you know, like the really obvious one is like these women laid a foundation for the leagues that we have today and they deserve their flowers and they're all just like really awesome and they deserve to have somebody hype them up because they did a, they laid a lot of groundwork for us. Yeah, that's definitely been something I've enjoyed is, is getting to share their stories that may have gone untold for the last four plus decades. Um, if you could pick one favorite part of it, what's your favorite part of telling these stories? I mean, it's sort of selfish, but for me, it's just like getting an excuse to learn all of this stuff because I'm not like a WBL yeah. expert, but I've gotten to do a ton of reading about the league now that I and I just I didn't know. And so for me, it's it's the learning process for myself and then getting to hopefully help other people learn too and and be a part of their their journey. Yeah, that's the same for me. I just I love talking to these women. Um, and then the next step is writing it all down so everyone else can do it. Uh, I know in my mm-hmm. personal life, I'll finish an interview uh, with a WBL player and then want to tell everyone I know about it, uh, just because that's how excited I am to share this information and get it into the world. Um, what are you working on next? Yeah, so I've got another uh, profile of a WBL, WBL player, uh, Linnell Jones-McKinney. Um, so I guess just as a little teaser, you know, I have what I view as like a not even hyperbolic comparison to a Roman deity going in there because that's just how awesome she is. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to read it. Um, she's definitely been someone that caught my eye uh, and I'm excited to to learn more. So thank you for joining me today, Kiri. Where can the people find you and your work? Yeah, thank you for having me. I am at technical underscore K zero, the number zero, and all my stuff gets aggregated there. Uh, Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow to hear more from Hunter, Joshua, and M. I always learn so much from them. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.